What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Bitcoin and Markets. What a week. What a week. I am back home now after the conference in Miami. Um, it is Monday, so that's when I write my fundamentals report. And what a better time to do a debrief on what I saw there down in Miami. I am live streaming on YouTube, Twitter, Telegram, and Twitch, along with some other platforms like Vida is a new platform that integrates Bitcoin payments. So I'm live streaming on there as well. But uh, find me uh, anywhere you guys watch live streams. Bitcoinandmarkets.com, you're seeing on the screen here, that is my home base. Like I said, every Monday I put out the Bitcoin fundamentals report so you guys can go there, sign up for free to receive that. I cover all sorts of things from Bitcoin headlines, macro headlines, Bitcoin price, mining, lightning, all sorts of stuff. It's a very good a synopsis of what's going on that week in Bitcoin. I also want to shout out to my Telegram guys. They held it down during the conference. I did live, I guess, react to, you know, with uh, typing messages out there in Telegram to a lot of the speakers down in Miami. So if you guys are missing out on the Telegram, go to t.me forward slash Bitcoin and markets. Make sure you're in the channel and that you're interacting. Okay, let's get into the report. So I always start with a meme, and today is Bitcoin Pizza Day. Back May 22nd, 2010, Laszlo bought two Bitcoins or uh, two pizzas uh, with 10,000 Bitcoins. Of course, it was a in, what's the term I'm looking for? It's indirect exchange. Uh, He sent the Bitcoins to some guy, I believe in the UK, and Laszlo lives in lived in Jacksonville. I don't know if he still lives here, but this is you know my town that I'm living in right now is Jacksonville as well. So um, uh, he sent ten thousand bitcoins. The guy in the UK called the pizza place. I think it was Papa John's on the beach uh, in Jacksonville, and had two pizzas delivered to Laszlo and paid for it with a credit card. So it is an indirect uh, purchase, but it is like the first recorded Bitcoin purchase uh, like that. So today is Bitcoin Pizza Day. Happy Bitcoin Pizza Day. Okay, so a snapshot of Bitcoin is the weekly trend is sideways. We're going to look at that chart, even though it was, you know, a lot of hype going on down there in Miami. Um, the price really didn't move all that much. The first day it kind of dipped, then it kind of recovered. It's it's just going sideways for about, uh, what, we're going on 10 days now, I think. The media sentiment is neutral. I bumped it up from being negative. This is not scientific. This is just my own uh, kind of feeling in the market. What is the media sentiment? And it has been negative for a lot, very long time. And just recently, before the conference, bumped it up to neutral. Some of the things in the conference were very positive. So I debated whether to say that this was slightly positive of media sentiment, but it's at least neutral. So I stuck with neutral. Of course, during the FOMO period, we're going to get, um, that's going to bump up into the positive territory. Network traffic is still high. We'll take a look at the mempool. It's, It's interesting. The mempool is very clogged. But the prices paid are going down. So we're going to take a look at that. Mining industry is very stable. Price, um, 
down on the week about two and a half percent, but still holding stable above where um, the level that I've been talking about, 25 to 26,000 or so is a very uh, heavy support. And that has been holding so far. So we will take a look at the price. Market cap is above half a trillion. Satoshi's per dollar, 37.23. One finny, that's one ten thousandth of a Bitcoin, is $2.69. Mining sector, the previous adjustment was plus 3.21%. And for, I forgot to switch that to green. That, that color should be green for that. Uh, plus 3.21%. And we are about even for the next estimated adjustment in nine days. So we'll see what happens to the price. If the price does drop, I expect people to start slowing down their miners, you know, losing, using less energy and hence lowering their cost and the hash rate will come down. So uh, we'll see how that works. But if we pump in price, I mean, we're right there 50-50 what the the miners are telling us right now mempool 215 megabytes according to mempool.space of course everybody's mempool is going to be a little bit different the mempool is the number of transactions waiting to be confirmed so if you send out a transaction what you do in bitcoin for those newbies out there listening to this if there are any uh, you send out a broadcast transaction and all of the nodes will or a node will receive that validate it and relay it and, you know, broadcast it to their connection. So um, that's how a transaction gets broadcast out in, into the Bitcoin network. It does not get confirmed in a block though yet. So miners do not validate transactions. Miners confirm, or another way to put it is order transactions. So these are the number of, it's not the number of transactions, but it's the size, total size of the transactions in megabytes waiting to be put into a block. Uh, they have been validated, but they are just waiting to get put into a block. All right, fees for the next block have come down dramatically. 51 Satoshis per virtual byte uh, comes out to about 1.92 cents, or sorry, $1.92. And uh, the median fee out there is about $1.66. Remember, just two, was it two weeks ago? We were up there at 15 to $20 per transaction. And now we're back down to the $1 mark. So the, this has this period over the last couple of weeks has really shown the resilience of the Bitcoin network. Okay, lightning capacity, Bitcoin capacity, 50, uh, sorry, 5,394. That's up only two Bitcoins from the last newsletter last Monday. Uh, but the number of channels is down. It's down by over a percent. Again, this week, it was down by a percent last week. It's down by another percent this week. So the number of channels continues to slide. It's not crazy. I believe the highest was about 75,000. Now we're down to about 71,000 uh, channels. And these are public channels that are discoverable by mempool.space. Um, but this makes sense. And well, let me just get into it now. I, I think the high fees are really have really hurt uh, the lightning network because you can it's uneconomical to rebalance open new channels uh, to do things like that so if a channel gets closed it might not be replaced so we're seeing about a thousand channels a week just roll off the network um 
maybe if we have a consistent period of lower fees where you know people can open up their channels again, we'll see a big spike in the number of channels. But that's kind of what we're seeing with Lightning Network. Uh, I did not write about this this week, but one of the things that really struck me during this conference, talking about Lightning Network, talking about on-chain, there's, I started hearing a lot more talk about sidechains. Maybe it was just in my own personal conversations, but I, I noticed that. And I am a, I'm not a fan of sidechains, like elements and uh, liquid and stuff, but I think that is the most logical way to scale this long-term. So uh, I'd like to hear more comments about um, about liquid and about sidechains. Okay, let's go down here. We got Bitcoin headlines, of course, the Miami conference. This was my third conference down there for Bitcoin Magazine. And overall, it was really good. My overall um, takeaways are they did a fantastic job in setting it up and running it. It seems to get a little bit better every year. Uh, two years ago when they were in the Wynwood Park or Wynwood section of the city, uh, you could tell that it was probably their first big conference that a lot of these people set up. Now this is their third massive conference and you can tell they're really starting, well, fourth or fifth if you include Amsterdam and some other things. So um, you know, they're starting to really get the hang of it. it the production value goes up, the um, treatment, uh, the layout, the all, all sorts of things uh, goes up and up every year. So the, overall, this was a very good conference. Miami, it was not hot. It got cloudy in the afternoon, which was nice because, you know, it's most people aren't maybe re uh, ready for the heat and the humidity of Miami. And so those afternoon clouds were very nice. Uh, what else? Uh, my hotel was just a couple of blocks from the conference center. We got really lucky finding an open room about a quarter of a mile away on the beach. And so that was a quick walk for the wife and myself. What else? Okay, that, that's all the general general comments here. Let's get into what was actually said. So out of the three conferences that I've been to in Miami, each one has been slightly different. Three years ago, Nayib Bukele kind of stole the show talking, you know, from El Salvador, uh, talking about legal tender, Bitcoin becoming legal tender. Last year, it was the FTX and crypto confusion. So there was a ton of uh, FTX, Coinbase, OKCoin, okay a lot of the shitcoin casino um, presence there last year, um, a lot of DeFi and NFT talk, everybody had to say crypto or blockchain. And if you didn't say that and you were a Bitcoiner and you, you made a point to say, no, it's Bitcoin, not crypto, half, at least half of the people there would look at you like a crazy person, like you are a Bitcoin maxi and that was a negative connotation. However, this year, it's completely opposite. So I, a lot of people were talking about the attendance. The attendance was smaller this year, uh, down from like 25,000 to, I, I think they broke 15,000. I'm not sure with like sales at the gate and stuff. But there might have been more Bitcoiners. 
because last year there it was about 50 50 split between shitcoiners and bitcoiners and this year we had it was extremely extremely well vetted and there was not a lot of shitcoinery going on and i mean every crypto is in the dumps it's it's on the ropes and so they they did a good job i think keeping um the message clear so anyway my two takeaways from this year is the clarity of mission or message and the politicians so i broke these down in the newsletter the clarity of mission uh altcoins altcoin scams were noticeable oh, sorry altcoin scams were noticeably absent this year last year ftx was a major sponsor of the miami event and altcoin banners were everywhere this year there was none of that the event was definitely smaller in attendance and scope eg the arena itself was not as cavernous they used so it was in the same arena but last year they um spread everything out much more and this year they kind of kept it tight kept it uh logically logically laid out uh, efficiently laid out from one section to the next and so i thought they did a much better job of uh, tightening everything up they had this big back area that they didn't even use this year so it made everything more cozy and not as cavernous as last year so again uh just a better use of the space i think this year they use the space much more wisely, I said. But it isn't clear if there were fewer Bitcoiners or fewer altcoiners and crypto bros. I think the latter. Last year, the Bitcoin signal was lost among the scammy pump and dump altcoins and crypto casinos. To an outsider, last year's message and mission of the space was extremely cluttered. DeFi, NFTs, blockchain, smart contracts, etc. What was the direction? What was the underlying force? Scams tend to obscure the truth for, for from further investigation, else you look under the hood, so to speak, and notice it's just a scam. They obscure the meaning of words and the real uses of the technology. That's on purpose in order to sell you snake oil. None of that misdirection and hype-driven activity, activity was present this year. There was that one talk by Udi and Eric Wall, Shinobi and uh, Blue Matt, Matt Corallo. Uh, and Pete Rizzo was the um, moderator of that one. And I live chatted during that to the guys on Telegram. So once again, if you guys aren't on the Telegram, check that out, t.me forward slash Bitcoin and markets. Um, overall, it was a complete takedown of these guys, uh, of Udi and Eric. Made them look kind of silly up there with their costumes on and then BitBoy, you know was out in the audience throwing around wizard hats throwing out wizard hats to the crowd and trying to hype people up bring the fun back to bitcoin bring the fun back come on f this stuff f that stuff bring the fun back to bitcoin and it was just extremely i mean it was out of place but just think like an Ethereum conference, that's what it is. Dancing on stage, doing crazy stuff, wearing unicorn stuff, you know, furries, that kind of thing. Uh, that is not at all what Bitcoin has turned into. Uh, Bitcoin is extremely professional. You have Bitcoin miners, you have bankers, you have investment people, you have the best cryptographers and the most creative developers in the world uh, working on real world things. You have serious politicians. Um it's just a, it's not overly serious because I think they had a, you know, the cornhole, the 
beanbag toss section. They had a couple other games. They had a little basketball like arcade game set up in there. They had a bull that you could ride uh, to try to see who could stay on the longest on the bull. They had some video game things. It wasn't overly serious, but there it was not a it, it wasn't making fun of itself as a point of how fun it was. I hope that makes sense. It was a very serious grown-up thing. And even it wasn't even like technically grown-up because there were lots of babies there. I saw a lot of Bitcoin babies. I saw a lot of Bitcoin kids. Like even they had a chess section set up so you could play a chess game or they had a chess tournament too. Um, there was a lot of kids playing chess. It was just a really interesting, mature atmosphere compared to BitBoy screaming in the crowd and these guys with costumes on the stage. So uh, anyway, that's I think that's important. Overall, I say the message was clear or the messages this year were clear. Bitcoin is the innovation. Bitcoin is not crypto. Crypto is a scam. Bitcoin mining is not harmful. It is beneficial. And that was hammered home by so many people. Bitcoin is a major force in the world for freedom and must be respected. It demand, Bitcoin demanded respect this year. And we saw that in the next thing, the politicians. But to round out this, um, the clarity of mission, I say my hope for the conference and frankly, all of 2023 was to drive a wedge between crypto and Bitcoin I think they were very successful in doing that at Bitcoin 2023. Okay, politicians. Um, we traded shitcoins for politics this year. Bitcoin is becoming very important, a very important voting block in the United States, and it started to get the respect it deserves. How many billion or sorry, how many millions of people in the US now own Bitcoin? It's a sizable amount. I forget what the most recent data was. Wasn't it like 20 million or 30 million, that's a huge voting block and it's being respected as such. Okay, so one of the politicians was Cynthia Loomis. Uh, she spoke about all the efforts on Capitol Hill and she reiterated the uniqueness of Bitcoin when it comes to future regulation. She was, you know, hammered home Bitcoin as a commodity. Uh, the SEC isn't regulating it. The SEC is regulating all the scams and all the altcoins and crypto. So she made a big point of that. Then, of course, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., he made a fantastic speech outlining Bitcoin as unique and as a powerful force for freedom in the world. Uh, overall, my reaction to his, his uh, speech was very, very good. He has a very good grasp of exactly what makes Bitcoin special. And I think he's talking to the right people. Um, and his his grasp of Bitcoin doesn't seem to be driven by like um, talking points or uh, insincere, insincere wanting to get a voting block to vote for him. It, it seems very sincere. And so that was, it was a very good speech by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. I think he has a good, decent chance of making it far in the election cycle. So I think this will be good. Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, he's polling third in the Republican Party for president, and he said that Bitcoin is the key alternative needed to tame the Federal Reserve and out-of-control spending. 
Uh, he is very pro Bitcoin. Um, he's a young guy. He has a long political career ahead of him. And I think he is also very sincerely a Bitcoiner. So uh, it's good to see him out there uh, preaching for Bitcoin. Tim Ryan and David McIntosh, they announced a bipartisan education initiative teaching why Bitcoin, not crypto. McIntosh runs the largest Republican super PAC, and Tim Ryan is a former Democrat congressman with influence. And I think he does some other super PAC work, uh, Tim Ryan does for the Democrats. Um, but this is a bipartisan issue that they announced. It's I think it's called the, um, what it, BIP is the short acronym for it, like the Bitcoin, what was it? Bitcoin Initiative Project or something like that. Um, so they're going to educate Capitol Hill. They're going to educate politicians on Bitcoin, not crypto. Tulsi Gabbard was also there. I did not see her comments yet. I, I need to go back and watch those, but she's a big name and important voice in U.S. politics. So she was there. I generally support her. I mean, she's left leaning and a little bit more socialist <laughs> for my take, but her anti-war stance and freedom stance is very strong. So I do appreciate that about her. Okay, overall, the presence of the politicians shows Bitcoin has arrived on the stage of power politics. Okay, so that's my summation of what's going on down there in Miami. I got to meet a couple of listeners to the show. So that was good. I went on first thing on industry day at the very beginning of the conference and it was fun to be on the news desk with, I was on there with Martel Fox, with Joe Hall, and with Pete Rizzo, and it was very good. Thanks to the guys that watched it live and uh, gave me supporting words. I, I was nervous. It's like the biggest thing that uh, I have ever done for uh, speaking in front of people. So yeah, that was, it was a great experience, and I'm super, super Thankful to CK and to Bitcoin Magazine for bringing me along on this. Okay, let's talk about Tether now. Tether made an announcement this week that flew under the radar. Um, they said they're going to be investing 15% of its operating profit into Bitcoin on an ongoing basis. And this is absolutely massive. So they said that uh, they have like one point some billion in their reserves right now, in their excess reserves. So they are going almost immediately. I think they're putting 200 billion or sorry, 200 million into Bitcoin. But then on an ongoing basis, it's going to be in the tens of millions of dollars a month that they're going to be dumping their profits, 15% of their profits into Bitcoin. So this is a constant buy pressure. Put that along with MicroStrategy that you know, it's, he's pretty much stated that he's going to continue to buy Bitcoin like this. So th th this is we're, we're talking, say, 50 to 100 million dollars a month of constant buy pressure from just two big companies. Uh, that's pretty, pretty intense. OK, let's take a look at the macro stories. So the Fed officials think more rate hikes are necessary. Remember, the jawboning is the policy. There is no mechanical nature to Fed policy. It's all jawboning and expectation management. And right now the Fed is trying to talk the market uh, out of pricing in rate cuts. So you can see from Jim Bianco, this red line here on the bottom is what the market is saying is going to happen. 
And this is what Bullard is saying is going to happen because uh, Bullard said the Fed will have to go higher on the policy rate, perhaps 50 basis points more hiking this year. So he's trying to talk up this red line just through the power of the gab, the gift of gab is going to try to make the, these rates go higher. We'll see if this works. Okay, Europeans slide into disaster continues. I just saw this on the uh, on Twitter, so I thought it was crazy. The Europeans turn to price controls to fight against rising food bills. Surging inf- inflation prompts politicians to impose caps despite retailers' protests. So, you know, what happens with price controls, they never work. They only make things worse. They cause shortages because if if the price, you know, for potato has to be a, a euro to make it worth bringing it to market and the price control is set at 50 cents, then I'm not going to bring it to market. There's going to be a shortage. So price controls especially on food, is very, very dangerous. This is a very, very dangerous thing. It would be better if they did subsidies. I mean, that is also a bad option. Um, They should take away regulation to make growing more food cheaper, bringing more food to market cheaper. That's how they should take prices down. But they're actually going to here with these policies, with price controls on food, Hunger can come to the European continent for the first time in in hundreds of years. Uh, this is a very bad, very bad thing. I mean, of course, there was, there was hunger uh, in the Great Depression and after World War II. So, but I'm thinking of kind of end of the, you know, the medieval depression, the late medieval depression in 1400s. That's the type of thing I'm thinking about of food scarcity that could be coming to Europe. Okay, next macro story, demographic collapse starting to get more attention. Birth Gap, this big documentary came out. I've been waiting for this for a while. Um, And it did come out a little while ago, like I think about a month ago. Uh, But he's been making his rounds on the podcast and people are really starting to talk about demographic collapse. I've been hammering on this for at least a year, maybe two, because I have been talking about the demographic collapse of China for a long time. China is in a very bad situation with their demographics, the U.S. less so, which is one reason why the Thucydides trap is totally fake and why China, I'm bearish on China and relatively bullish on the United States. Demographics are so powerful, guys. They are so powerful and people are going, they're starting to talk about it now, but this could be, I say this, uh, it is, uh, it is a possibility. Oops. Uh, It is possibly the defining factor of the next 100 years, this demographic collapse, losing a hundred or sorry, losing 50% of the people in the next 75 years is going to be horrific. I was talking about this one day at dinner and my daughter actually had their friend come along with us to some Italian restaurant. And I was just talking with the wife about the demographics and the the friend said, 
why is that bad? Why is that bad that there's not going to you know, be as many people? So, I mean, they're interested. I think the next generation is interested in this topic because we're saddling them with this taking care of the older generations, you know, where it might have been uh, six, seven, eight to one of younger people to retirees to take care of them in their old age. It's going to be uh, about three to one now. So three Americans taking care of one elderly. In China, it is going to be as low as um, one to or two to one or even one to one. Every working age person is going to have an elderly person that is, you know, one-to-one for them that they need to take care of in their economy. That's unsustainable. That cannot work. It cannot work long-term. This is a collapse situation. All right, let's continue. That's all about the macro situation. We have Bitcoin price analysis here. Um, let me pull up this image if I can make it bigger. There we go. Um, I'm not going to put these onto Telegram right now because you guys have the link to the report. You can check that out. But the price is being held up right now on the 100 day. We'll see if that continues. Um, What do I write here? Um, 100 day in blue acting as support. And on the weekly chart, the 200 week moving average is acting as support. And I'll show this one. This is the orange weekly 200 week moving average here. Showing support. Um, The red box did catch that bottom wick, which is what I was expecting. But we'll see if that is the ultimate bottom here for this pattern or if we do fall down. I think it is unlikely to be able to break through the $25,000 to $26,000 zone. That would be a shift, total shift in trend. And I think you would need to see some big bearish turn in the market to break through that level. I just don't see that happening. So most likely we will move up towards 28,500 soon. Last week I put that number at 29,000, but uh, as you can see, this uh, red sloping resistance line is coming down as well as now the 50 day moving average is coming down. So if we can pop up above that to about 28,500 and close a daily candle up there, that will be breaking out of this pattern and that is what I'm watching for, 28,500. Any dips could be uh, by the dip opportunity. I don't think it's going to be significant dips though. Okay, stock market is hitting um, yearly highs. This is the S&P 500. NASDAQ is the same. I think Dow Jones is a little bit uh, off its yearly high now, but um, I don't follow the Dow Jones as much as I do the S&P 500. Okay, so... The deflationary backside of transitory is starting to sink in. Economic numbers are bad. CPI is coming down. Unemployment started to tick upward. Deposit flight from banks continues. This is a deflationary setup, but not necessarily a shock. If there is a deflationary shock, like a major bank failure, we should expect Bitcoin to take a hit. But short of that, say we just see continued recessionary pressure, Bitcoin should continue higher along with stocks. My 2023 call for higher stocks, bonds, gold, and Bitcoin has been spot on so far. The next rough patch that could see high levels of stress, which could develop into a shock, is end of quarter Q3. We have four months. 
TikTok. Okay, headlines for mining. Starting to run a little bit short on time here. I've got about five minutes left to get through this. Uh, we got mining. Uh, was huge at Bitcoin 2023. Mining companies had close to 50% of the boost. Um, while on the news desk, Michael Saylor said something to the effect that miners are the front line against regulators for Bitcoin. They will fight the battle for all of us. I think that's a very important insight by Michael Saylor. Okay, also RFK said in his speech that energy uses will not be discriminated against. That's very important, of course, for Bitcoin mining. Bitcoin mining is zero emission. It is just using energy the same way your refrigerator uses energy or an EV uses energy. If an EV is zero emission, so is Bitcoin mining. And RFK said that he, if, pre, if he's elected president, make sure that they do not discriminate against forms or uses of energy. The government shouldn't have power to tell you what you can or, or what you can and cannot do with the energy you buy. Okay, the Biden's 30 percent Biden's tax on Bitcoin miners isn't going to happen, says Cynthia Loomis. As I said, the first day of the Dame tax was proposed. So if you go back, it was about two months ago or so. This first time that Biden's proposed this 30 percent tax, I said, this is not going to happen. Uh, Cynthia Loomis is saying that as well at Bitcoin 2023. This that isn't going to happen. She went on to say that mining can easily move anywhere with the energy and it is cleaning up the environment, not harming it. The education of the politician, uh, sorry, the education of politicians is one of her highest goals. Bitcoin difficulty here, difficulty chart. We can see this purple step up is the difficulty. It increased by 3.21%. And um, hash rate has come down a little bit in the last couple of days, but nothing significant to report. Let's check out this mempool here. Very interesting way that this has evolved. So the mempool back on the 22nd of April was clear. Then we had this huge spike up and you can see this densely packed rainbow color at the top. That means that those transactions wanted to get through very quickly. And so they continue to raise their fees, higher and higher fees. Those are the ones that got up to $20, some of them for uh, some of those transactions. And now you can see that the it's much less densely packed so the average fee has gone way down, but the size of the mempool has not. So it's interesting how people can adapt to the slowness or quickness of how your transactions are getting confirmed. All right, Lightning Network News. Lightning, Na Lightning Labs launches updated protocol to help solve Bitcoin's BRC20 issues. The Taproot Assets Protocol is designed to operate maximally off-chain in order to avoid the network congestion that has become an unfortunate characteristic of the Bitcoin network since the inception of the BRC20 token standard by an anonymous developer, Domo, on March 8th. Lightning Labs said protocol users could soon integrate BRC20 assets into the Lightning Network with wallets, exchanges, and merchants ported over uh, ported over instead of needing to bootstrap a new ecosystem from scratch this is my words now brc20 tokens on bitcoin are used specifically because they are inefficient as a way to attack bitcoin there is very little productive or lasting value to these nfts so they have to get their pumpamentals from marketing stunts causing a fight in the community over block space 
is a great way to get eyeballs that otherwise couldn't care less. So that's my whole shtick on the NFTs and the ordinal debates. And that's it. Issue number 242 is in the can. Thank you guys for joining me. Ansel Lindner, Bitcoin and Markets, live streaming Monday, Wednesday, Friday, also Thursdays with Bitcoin Magazine for FedWatch. So check that out. Check out BitcoinandMarkets.com to stay up on everything. And I will see you on the next one. Bye.